you also realize that it's God that's doing the work and it's not you, right? And so if he chooses and if you're obedient, then maybe you get to be 1% of his work, right? But it's great, man. He doesn't yeah. need you, right? <laughs> he, he can make <laughs> yeah. it happen without you. But the benefit is to you of having the blessing of being used. Hey everyone, welcome to the Mill Spec Believer Podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode. Glad you guys were able to check it out. Uh, we're going to begin into an interview with Matt Parrish. Before we get into that, I just want to point you to my social media on Instagram at Mill Spec Believer. A lot of you guys have connected with me on there. I love it. It's it's awesome. You know, we're able to be a mutual encouragement to one another and point each other to Jesus and uh, point each other to be bold in Christ. So. Check that out. I also just recently started a Twitter as well at MillSpecBeliever uh, with you know the recent changes there in leadership. So, anyways, check those out. Let's get into it with Matt. First off, super excited just that you you agreed to come on, man. I know you got a lot on your plate. And uh, just before I hand it off to you, and I'll, I'll stop talking. Uh, definitely want to give a, a tiny bit of context to the listeners. Um, like, never met you in real life. I, I was so encouraged, so I wanted to share this. I, I had just started this podcast, um, you know, like uh, with a goal of, you know, encouraging other believers in the military to be bold in their faith. And uh, I randomly uh, started listening to Softcast, which is the, you know, the, obviously you know what it is since you're a host of Softcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for anyone who doesn't know, it's the like the official SOCOM podcast that they put out. Um, on the one end, obviously it's like for military leadership and everything, but I was, it was such a random thing, which made it cool. Um, it was Chad Robichaud's episode. Yeah. Um, and so I'm listening and I was just like, dude, this dude is like way into his testimony right now. Like on yeah. the official SOCOM podcast, this is awesome. And yeah. obviously looked you up afterwards, uh, easily could tell through the podcast and through your social media that you were a believer and was just so encouraged, man, just feeling that I'm the only believer in the military. That, that's kind of how it feels sometimes. Uh, so it was really cool uh, just to, I don't know, see see another brother in Christ, like getting after it and being bold. And and so I just wanted to thank you for that. No, that's awesome, man. No, that's great. I uh, It's funny you mentioned that because I just sent a, a, a note of encouragement similarly to um, we just we just had the winners of Best Ranger um, on our show. It, it's going to release... I guess uh, this week coming up, depending on when this one releases. But um, as we were interviewing them, one of the captains who won was very open, just even in the intro on giving glory to God and everything. And I sent him yeah. a note afterwards and was like, hey, man, as a fellow believer, just so thankful uh, that you're you know, bold in your faith and uh, so glad that we have this platform. Um, you know, I, I've had a couple people reach out to me and kind of like, hey, man, how do you negotiate being able to have, um, you know, spiritual kind of talk on this official podcast and, and really to me your story is your story right right and so um we while there's a separation of you know church and state and all that quote unquote there's um there's no one who can tell you you can't tell your story and what's sure. important to you right and so in my real job outside of the outside of the podcast, uh, you know, I, I, the senior enlisted leader for preservation of force and family and spiritual is one of our five domains. Right. And so I think it's, um, it's, 
entirely appropriate for us to have folks uh, talk about, you know, their belief system, their underlying morals and their sense of purpose and, and all those things. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we don't proselytize, you know, because it's an official sure. podcast, but, <laughs> but if somebody comes on, like, yeah. uh, I'm certainly not going to allow it to be cut. Uh, you know, and so it's been a, it's been a blessing to me as well. There's been a few episodes where we've, we've had folks, uh, Chad Robichaux was one, but also, uh, we had, uh, Bradley Palm, who was a chief warrant officer who got a very, you know, uh, horrific crash as he was piloting a CH 47 mm. and, uh, he uh, he shared his testimony and his, his uh, you know uh, as he was coming back from that from that injury and uh, it was just a blessing so yeah man I appreciate it I think we're all we're all uh, you know not just in testimony but across everything trying to trying to encourage each other so uh, yeah I'm encouraged by you having this podcast and, and I really appreciate you inviting me on we're all busy man nobody's any more busy than anybody <laughs> else uh, I'm happy I'm happy yeah. to share some time and and specifically. Uh, to talk about these kind of things. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity. Sure. Well, like I said, I really appreciate it. Definitely agree with everything you just said. Um, so you mentioned there uh, that you were, uh, you know, working as uh, this senior enlisted leader for POTIF um, at SOCOM headquarters. So before we get into any of that stuff, what kind of got you there military career wise sure. and, and what yeah. was kind of the building blocks before that happened? Cause that was not super recent, but somewhat recent, right? Yeah, I've been there for for about two years now, but I, I uh, you know I spent my whole career as a as an Army Special Forces guy as a Green Beret. Uh, I joined the 18 X-ray program, which is the program that they have to basically come straight off the street and uh, get a chance to go to selection and all that. And uh, you know, so I joined I joined in uh, late '02, didn't ship until early '03, so kind of post 9/11 call to action. Uh, I had sort of wanted to go into the military before that. My Parents had convinced me, hey, go to college first, and uh, I just uh, I felt like it was time to to serve the country. So uh, went in and was blessed. Uh, God had His hand on my career and continues to, which I'm incredibly thankful for. Uh, in that He allowed me to succeed and become a Green Beret, and then uh, yeah. spend my entire career in Seventh Special Forces Group. I spent 13 years on uh, on ODAs, on operational detachments, you know, 12 man teams. And, uh, and as I was done with my third year as a team sergeant, uh, you know, as an E8, uh, that's sort of the, the pinnacle job on a team is to be a team yeah. sergeant. Uh, and, you know, you get two years, and if you're lucky and blessed, you may get a third year. And I got a third year. And uh, first sergeant is kind of, a you know, the next step to kind of get promoted. Um, you know, go do some first sergeant time and then, uh, you know, go uh, hopefully make nine and uh, become a star major. So I, I was lucky to get nominated and then interview and be selected for the first sergeant job at the SOCOM headquarters. Um, and then while I was down here, I was, a, you know, I made nine, I was expecting to go back and God had other plans. And he, uh, he uh, basically spoke to me and told me to stay here. And so I uh, made a very, <laughs> very bold and not very, uh, not very career-enhancing uh, move to volunteer to take a job uh, that I thought was uh, beneficial to the force to help give back, uh, to try to help. Um, you know, as we get into this, uh, you know, I've had a lot of physical injuries over the course of my career, and uh, you know, just trying to trying to help others uh, and leave the force better. Um, you know, as I kind of enter the 
the final chapters of my career. So yeah, that's, uh, that's how I got to Campa. Uh, no, that's awesome, man. Like, I think you're, you love being one of the dudes on the team, right? And, hundred <laughs> um, percent to, to leave that and, and I don't know, you know, not wallow, but, uh, take your position and really look after the dudes. Like, that's awesome, man. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll tell you, man, there's a ton of things we can talk about, Ryan, but you know, that, that togetherness and the belonging and things like that, uh, that you find on a team. And then the removal of that is where we see a lot of issues with a lot of folks. And so I felt it when I got here, as I said, I spent 13 straight years in a team room and, uh, suddenly was in a leadership position and, and had some folks, you know, that I would consider my team, but it's not the same. And, uh, I struggled a little bit, man. And that's one of the reasons I joined kind of the parachute team. If you see me on social media, going to all these places, uh, you know, early on in the time I was there, my wife, um, you know, she's like, how are you going to deal with this? <laughs> She's like, you know, you, you've been on a team forever and now suddenly you're doing something completely different. Like, um, you know, she had the foresight and was, you know, asking me like, Hey, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be hard, right? You know, we got to figure out like, how are you going to do this? And, uh, someone, uh, really quickly on, you know, I, I was a military free fall guy, military free fall jump master, uh, and was a team sergeant of a free fall team before I came here. And uh, somebody, when I took the position, was like, hey, you know, there's this parachute team. You should think about it. And I went and visited them, and I realized, like, although it's just a nights and weekends thing, there was just enough to sort of scratch that team itch uh, to to help me still kind of feel some connectedness and some togetherness, uh, uh, even though, you know, we're PCS and all that stuff. So No, dude, I I definitely get that. When I crossed over to the Air National Guard, and I, I, I got a, you know, civilian, a, a real job, um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there working this nine to five and I'm just like, I'm like calling the unit to find stuff to do, you know, yeah. because I just like, you know, you, you have this itch, like you said, just to be a part of what's going on and to be operational and to, um, you know, just be in that role. So totally sure. get that. Yeah. Um, but just kind of to backtrack a little, um, how, how would you say like your testimony or, or your, your walk with the Lord kind of weaved, uh, through that maybe like early childhood? Sure. Like, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know if, if you just want to go into that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, my brother likes to say, uh, we grew up with a drug problem, uh, in that, every time the doors of the church were open, we got drugged through them. So, you know, all growing up, we, uh, my parents were very strong believers. Uh, I was an accident. Uh, my parent, my brother's 12 years older than I am and my sister's okay. 14 years older. So my parents were sort of in the, in the mold where they were uh, kind of ready to go. Uh, you know, they were sort of into the uh, middle and high school years of their, of their oh, youngest man. kids. And then all of a sudden that they had this, too. yeah, absolutely. All of a sudden they had this new bouncing baby boy. So, um, it was an interesting, you know, sort of a mixed childhood between being an only kid and having, uh, you know, having siblings. So, uh, but very strong in the faith. My, my father, who unfortunately recently passed away, uh, oh, became man, a, yeah, he became a pastor later in life. So after I joined the military, he became a pastor and sort of, he had this revelation, you know, the call to the, to the ministry. And he called all of us as kids and said, Hey, you know, I want to let you know that I was, uh, you know, called in the ministry. And he kind of got upset because each one of us individually, when he called us was like, yeah, of course, like you're just now realizing this because <laughs> he had basically held every, every position within the church 
other than being the pastor, right? He was like in charge of the staff parish committee. (laughs) He was, you know, led the choir, all these things, you know, Sunday school teacher. And to him, it was this massive revelation that that God had finally uh, called him into the ministry. And for the rest of us, it was like, you've been a pastor your entire life. (laughs) You just weren't, you weren't on staff as, uh, as the minister. So, and my mom was very involved in, in church, and and so that was just that's part of our family, right? That is um, faith in faith in God and belief in Jesus Christ is a foundational thing uh, for our family. And uh, I'm blessed to have been born into into a family where that was um, that was what we did, and I'm incredibly yeah. grateful. Um, I'm thankful for my family and, and for uh, growing up in that way. And so because of that, I was saved very early on. I remember. Uh, being about six years old and actually, you know, uh, accepting Jesus Christ and asking him uh, to be my Lord and Savior. Um, And then, you know, it's sort of weird uh, when you're that young and you come to know the Lord because a lot of the things don't connect the same way as as becoming a believer later on, right? right? Because then you're still rebellious. You still have all of this and all these different things. You know you're saved, but, uh, you know, you're still going through things as a kid. So Mm -hmm. it's just a little bit different. I'll say that then, you know, I was involved in the youth group, all those things growing up and uh, wasn't the best Christian, man. We really didn't. Uh, I was saved. I, I knew the right things and all that, but I was still, you know, still a very rebellious young man, uh, you know, and not um, not putting into practice everything I should have. Right. And then as I joined the military, I was incredibly dedicated to this dream and this passion of going to become a Green Beret. Mm-hmm. And uh, went into the Q, you know, went into basic training and airborne school and selection and and passed all those things and was in the Q course and uh, you know I'd go to the chapel or whatever when I was in a school, um, but I wasn't making you know I, I still believed in uh, Jesus and knew there was God and all those things, but it was definitely a you know sort of um, you know a going away for a while and, and kind of a separation where I wasn't putting in the effort to, to sit at the foot of the cross. Right, not getting um, drugged through those doors anymore. Yeah, exactly. And so I was, you know, sort of putting that aside and being very, um, you know, very into, hey, you know, I'm going to become a Green Beret and I'm going to go to war and all these things. And so I would still pray and all those things, but it was just sort of lukewarm, right? And sure. it wasn't very involved. And it was actually uh, my wife who, once we got together uh, a little bit later uh, and uh, – you know, as after I graduated the Q course and graduated Ranger School and got on a team, we got together and she she and I grew up in the same church. We didn't date because oh, she's okay. three years younger than I was. And, you know, at that age, like three years is a huge gap. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you get a little older and three years <laughs> is nothing. Right. And so um, it was actually when we got together because we had grown up in the church together. She kind of was like, hey, so so what church do you go to? You know, and it kind of like just punched me in the face that. Oh, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, yeah, I'll go to chapel sometimes or whatever, but I'm not consistently doing this. And so it made me sort of rededicate, uh, you know, my efforts to, to come back to the Lord. And so, uh, you know, uh, like everybody's testimony, man, you go through, um, you know, ups and downs. And, and, uh, so we made the choice to, to get rebaptized as, uh, as adults, as believers. And, uh, that was a big step to, you know, kind of publicly profess that, uh, belief again as as uh, you know as adults, and then uh, have just been you know um, 
uh, leaning on his grace ever since, right? There's certainly, uh, certainly not a, not a perfect, uh, believer by, uh, by any means. And I actually, not one. You, there's yeah, not you, one. <laughs> there, there are not, well, there was one, but, uh, and he's, yeah, he's sure. still, uh, he's still there and we still need him every day. But, uh, you know, you shared something today, uh, on Instagram that was kind of saying like, Hey, the, the mark of a believer is that you realize when you're not, uh, you know, that you're falling short and that you, uh, come back to the cross quickly. Uh, so, yeah, man, I, I, you know, that's the roundabout way of sort of kind of coming back and forth. Uh, but now as a, as a father, you know, I, I look at, you know, that's just uh, kind of like how my dad was, man. Like, that's what, that's what our family does. That's what Team Parish does. We go to church, we believe in God, right. we, we pray. And, uh, you know, I just want to instill that uh, into my kids um, because, you know, that, that foundation, you know, hide it in their hearts and, and uh, you know, make sure. So how do, they, how do your you know, kids you know, know? Uh, I've got an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a four-year-old. So two girls are the oldest two, eight and six, and then I've got a little boy who's four. And uh, good times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a good time, man. That's full house. I know that's that's a lot for sure, uh, sure. to balance yeah. uh, with military and everything. Obviously, you're in this uh, this job now that you said to where you're, you know, away from the team room. So I'm sure that sure. helps a little bit. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, you weren't always there. Obviously, you had kids yeah. when you were still in the team room. So, how, how would you say you you balanced family uh, in this job that's like taking you away from them? You know, like you're deploying all the time. You're doing yeah. schools. Like it's this high ops tempo. Like, how did that work out for you guys? Yeah, man. I look back at it now, uh, Ryan, and I'm I'm amazed by the guys um, that had kids when we were going back to back to back to back to back to combat. Because my wife and I, we've been married for over 15 years now. Congrats! Um, yeah, thank you, and and all of that time during SF. So that's as uh, that's as much a badge of honor as any <laughs> any yeah. tab or badge that I have. Um, and uh, you know, but early on, we waited for a long time. She was in college and all these things, so we waited seven years of you know before we before we had kids, and that was a lot of time of just going to war, <laughs> going to schools, all those things that you mentioned, going TDY, and you know. For most most people that aren't in the military, they think you know, oh yeah, you go to war, you come back, you got all this time at home. Um, you know, on SF teams, when you're home, you're either in a school or training. Uh, there's not a whole lot of time, yeah. and so, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I crushed it as uh, you know as prioritizing the family, but I did try to make sure that we uh, you know that she was part of uh, you know she was part of those decisions, she was part of the the process, and really that she was prioritized, and we tried to you know, uh, try to make the most of the time that we did have. I, I think we're incredibly blessed that we have, like, you and I are doing this right now over the internet. For the right. entire time we were at war, I was able to call her or talk to her online. Um, you know, I think about <laughs> even like Vietnam, where they're just like writing letters and things like we're blessed. Right. And so uh, I think just being intentional and making sure that you're carving out that time, um, you know, towards the end of my uh, team times when I started having kids, and it just made me like, I thought I understood in 06 and 07 and all those things when I had buddies on the fire base that were missing their kids. I thought I intellectually understood that, but I had no idea as, as a young guy. Uh, and I look back now and I'm just like amazed at those dudes um, because I was missing my wife, but right. they were missing their entire families. And so as we started, um, as we started to travel and all those things, as my kids were really young, it was kind of before it really affected them hard, but I would just try to make sure that, hey, we're FaceTiming or, 
you know, uh, I'm making sure that I get that call in and, yeah. and I'll tell you, man, the devil will pull on you, right? When you're on TDY and, uh, you know, it always seems like, uh, the time is off or, Hey, I got to get to dinner. All the guys are going to dinner and I got to go right. with them and all those things. And it's just, uh, you know, what I've learned is it's better to take a five minute call and just make sure that you get that touch point than it yeah. is to, you know, um, to let it slip because you don't know, uh, when's the next time you're going to actually be able to do it. So it's yeah. just a priority thing, you know, it's definitely hard though. Like the, oh, yeah. uh, the FaceTime aspect that, you know, my parents were always saying, they're like, man, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. Kind of mm -hmm. like what you're saying. And, uh, I think there's an aspect to that, but then it, I think it also adds a hard aspect too, to where you're, it's like, you're not gone. Right. It's like you're, you're in person for yeah. a minute and it's like, kind of like, you know, it kind of keeps, uh, both parties from just putting a wall up Yeah. and you're just like, Oh, you get a letter every once in a while. It's like, no, <laughs> like, Oh, there's dad. Oh, there. Right. Hey, can, but you know, you're sitting there. Like I, I still remember vividly just like being on FaceTime, my newborns just like mm, in the background, yeah. like screaming. And I'm like, my, my wife's kind of looking at me. I'm like, dude, I can't do anything right now. You know, yeah. you kind of feel helpless. Yeah. Um, it's, it's tough. It's a tough environment. So I think it, it's definitely some positives. Obviously, yeah. One but. of the, one of the positives that I had towards that time too, Ryan, is I was in a crisis response force company that we did shorter duration, but more frequent trips. So instead okay. of going somewhere for a long time, um, and then coming back, you know, and, you know, early in my career, I was doing a lot of those six monthers, nine monthers, all those things, uh, towards the end of my team time, I was doing a lot more of like the one week here, three weeks there, a weekend here, all those things. So in a way it's kind of a double-edged sword, like you were talking about with FaceTime, right? Like for some of that, it's good because you, um, you know, you're not gone for as long as a time, but it's just more goodbyes, right? Sure. On the yeah. positive, there's more welcome homes. And, you know, you, and you kind of have that, um, elation from getting home. And as the kids, you know, get old enough to realize like, Oh, everybody's excited, but there is ripping that bandaid off again and again, and again, as you're going. Right. And so I'm blessed right now to be in a place where, yeah, I travel around and try to check on, uh, you know, all these resources that we help provide, uh, folks. Um, but I'm not in a place where I'm like, you know, I don't have the op tempo I used to have as far as being gone. So it's definitely helped kind of stabilize the family a little bit in these last couple of years. Definitely. Well, it, like you said, it says a lot about your wife or, or any wife who's, mm. who's in this, uh, predicament and, uh, yeah. just like people ask me or, or whatever, I'll hear the question all. It's like, man, so like, how do you, how do you prioritize or, or sure. what does that look like? I got a girlfriend, like, what should I do? And it's like, there's a lot riding on that decision, you know, <laughs> like on who you're going to marry or who you're going to be with, like in general, like obviously yeah. that should be taken pretty seriously, but like getting in the military, like my wife was definitely not about it in college. Yeah. She was like, Nope, never going to be with someone in the military. And yeah. My wife didn't think she was either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just works out. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Sometimes God's, uh, you know, we need, we always just talk about God's plan for our life. Uh, thank God for both of us that God had a plan for, for our wives uh, oh, yeah. that they listened to as well. So hundred percent, man, hundred percent. Well, um, how would you say just over the years, uh, you know, like obviously there's these ups and downs, these moments sure. where we're like, we feel like we're crushing it. And there's these moments where we just feel like we're definitely, uh, dropping the ball. Um, so how would you say, uh, just like spiritually, like physically, uh, you operated in this constrained environment. Like, do you feel like, uh, 
just like any tips or, or anything like that that were helpful for you or maybe through your failures that you learned? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll tell you, you know, when you look back on your career, um, you know, when you're sort of, a, you know, in a senior <laughs> kind of deal now, it's kind of, it feels weird to me because, uh, you sure. know, uh, just – you're a team guy and then all of a sudden you're a sergeant major right and uh <laughs> and so now you kind of look back at the time and um you know i was blessed to have incredible teams and uh incredible men that i shared those teams with and really my only regret is that i didn't do um more to try to share my faith with them right hmm. like I, I i did in some cases um, but there's a fine line to walk, especially on, on an ODA like that where you're in combat, where uh, you, want to, you want to respect everyone and not, uh, you know, there's, there's a team bond there that you're relying on each other and you don't want to alienate someone. Um, but I will tell you, in the times that I did share, um, you know, very, very specifically my faith with several of the guys, you know, I was able to bring a couple of guys um, either to the Lord or back to the Lord um, throughout my career uh, that were fellow Green Berets. And, and uh, you know, I'm as, I'm as proud of those moments, uh, yeah. honestly, as, as any combat story or any, uh, you know, anything else. And so, um, you know, I, I think, I think it's, about, it's about being obedient and being ready, uh, as Paul says, you know, ready to, ready to defend your faith, ready to, right. ready to talk about it. Um, but you also, you know, you want to make sure that you're living the life that doesn't make you lose your witness. And uh, you want to make sure that you are, uh, you're not alienating somebody. You're not, you're not passing judgment so much as you're, um, you know, uh, I had a pastor kind of use this phrase recently, which uh, I liked a lot, which is, you know, sometimes there's things that others can, but you can't, right? Hmm. And it may not be something uh, uh, even that's like a, a super immoral sin. It may just be something like drinking, like, um, yeah. you know, uh, I, I drank all through my team time. Um, you know, uh, a couple beers after a range day, there's nothing better <laughs> quite honestly, when you're, yeah. uh, you know, in the team room and all the guys are there and you crack a cold one after being on the range all day. I mean, just the camaraderie of being able to do that, uh, builds a team. And, uh, but a couple of years ago, a little over two years ago, I felt like God told me to stop drinking, and I didn't mm. have a I didn't have a problem. Uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't uh, an alcoholic or anything like that, and I really fought it because I really didn't want to stop drinking. But I felt very strongly that God told me, and so I put it away and I stopped. And um, that was one of those things where I don't think drinking specifically is uh you know i i think drinking to excess obviously can be very sinful but i don't think having a beer or two i don't think that's bad i think right. jesus you know drank wine i, I don't sure. i don't think drinking alcohol in and of itself you know um you know i'm not a teetotaler i guess is what i'm saying no but yeah, for me yeah. god was telling me that i uh that it wasn't for me and so now when i talk to people like i try to make sure that like hey just because i don't drink like i'm not passing judgment on you like this is something right. Very it's personal. like a, I'll be the DD man. You're yeah, right. exactly. Like, uh, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm yeah. you know, I'm not saying like I'm not. Oh man, I, this Christian dude, and he thinks you know, none of us should drink. Like, no, actually, I'll argue as I have on Softcast that you should be able to have a beer in the team room. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's uh, you know, for whatever. Do you feel reason, like you've gotten any like backlash yeah. from that? Just my so so my dad. Yeah. Like, obviously, these are different times. Sure. Uh, but uh, 
back in like, you know, the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he, he, cause he in, in college or, or whatever, you know, like he kind of similar mindset as you, it's like, okay, alcohol isn't, isn't the devil, but it's made me do things I didn't want to do. Sure, so yeah. I'm just going to be done with it. And so he definitely got a lot of backlash in the Marine Corps for, yeah. from a supervisor, you know, bad write-ups and stuff. But how, how did you feel like that played out for you? Well, you know, I did it after I was off a team. So I, I, you know, sure, I would have faced probably different, uh, you know, I was blessed to have earned the respect of, um, you know, those guys on my teams. So I would like to think that they'd know my heart behind it and they wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be passing judgment on them or anything, but I haven't really had any, uh, you know, people think it's kind of weird, especially guys <laughs> that I was on a team with for a while, uh, you know, uh, because you know, the deal, man, as believers, um, it sounds crazy to other people when you say, Hey, I think God told me to stop drinking. So I stopped drinking. Like that sounds like lunacy to someone sure. who doesn't yeah, believe in God. Right. And so, um, you know, but Hey, you know, like I said, for me, it's, uh, it's just a personal choice, you know, it's hey, just, the spirit's going to yeah. convict how he's going right. to convict. And like, obviously, uh, God's using that in, in ways like we don't see probably right. already has. Exactly. So. Yeah. And, and for me, Ryan, it's happened a couple of times. Uh, you know, I, I used to dip, uh, I used to, uh, dip Copenhagen. I dipped a can a day for 10 years and never wanted to quit. And in 2009, I was laying in my bunk in Iraq, in Mosul, um, in uh, in the JTF compound up there. We were the night strike force. Everything was going great. I was enjoying myself, and I was reading the Bible. Uh, we were the night troop at the time, and I felt like God told me to stop dipping. And I was for sure that I did not want that to happen. I was 100% against <laughs> You're that. You're like, there's uh, no way like, this is no, me saying No, I did not this. hear that. Yeah, I, I did not hear that. God, I'm sure you did not say that. I am imagining things. And, um, but I've always taken this, you know, first off, if you feel like there's something that the Spirit's leading you to do, first off, you should test it biblically because the Spirit's not going to, He's not going to tell you to do something that's uh, that's uh, counter to what the Bible says. Hundred percent, right? Yeah. So that's where I think a lot of people go astray. Uh, <laughs> they're like, "Oh, well, the Bible told, or the Spirit told me I didn't have to go to church." Like, eh, I don't think that's what the Spirit probably said. But anyway, so for me, I was like, "All right, well, it's certainly not. Uh, <laughs> it's not counter to the Bible for him to tell me to stop dipping." And uh, and then it was, you know, up to me. It was like, essentially, as I prayed about it, I was like, "All right, well, okay, if it is him." and I do it, great. If it is him and I don't do it, very bad. If it's not him and it's just me and I do it, it's still good for my health. And if I don't do it, like, okay, whatever, right? So at the end of the day, it was like, all right, well, do you wanna, do you wanna err on the side of not listening to God or do you wanna err on the side of having, you know, a healthier lifestyle <laughs> because you thought? And, and I was pretty, uh, you know, obviously, for me to have quit, I was pretty confident the Spirit had led me to do it. And, um, and so I quit. Right. And then so this same kind of thing happened with alcohol. But when you tell people that are non-believers something like that, um, you, you just have to kind of talk through it a little bit so that they understand. Um, but it, it's fu- yeah. it's funny how these things do generate opportunities. Sure. You know, it's yeah. like these are things that, you know, you would you would never brought up. But some dude's like, hey, man, you want to dip or you right. want to drink? Yeah, and yeah. it just it does provide an opportunity to start talking, you know, yeah, like, absolutely. so about well, especially God. the guys that knew I like legit dipped a can a day. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and all of a sudden I didn't dip anymore. And they're like, holy cow, what did, did you do? Nicotine? Did you do whatever? And I was like, no, actually, I prayed that uh, God, if this was you, if you did tell me to stop 
please make it possible. Like, please, Dang, that's please awesome. take away this, in, you know, incessant need I've had since I was 16 years old to, to dip. And I won't be able to do it on my own. So if this really was you, um, you, you've got to get me through it. And he that's did. That's awesome, man. So, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, to focus for a second on, on the POTIF side of things, sure. uh, what have you seen? Because one of those pillars that, you know, I've heard you talk about on the soft cast is just like the spiritual pillar. Sure. Um, how, how have you seen that play out? Um, just for like, obviously, you know, there's, there's so many people in SOCOM. So obviously yeah. there, there's, there's only so many people that you can track their story and everything, but how have you seen that play out just as far as like the military actually kind of caring, I guess, if you will, about this spiritual side of things. I feel like that, that wasn't always a thing. Sure. Yeah. Well, in the bulk of what we have in the spiritual domain for POTIF is chaplains, right? The chaplains are the primary providers of that. And, um, you know, that hasn't changed, right? We've had chaplains in the sure. army since, you know, uh, since Washington, right? So, uh, like the, the bedrock portion of that is not different. What's different to, uh, about that for me, uh, in POTIF is us writing in directives and in SOCOM doctrine and things like that, ha- um, the impact that spiritual performance can have on the other domains like all of these domains Mm. physical psychological cognitive social and family and spiritual they all create sort of an overlapping venn diagram i had it put better to me um, by an afsoc pilot uh, that we had on an episode of softcast uh, ani retkovsky 12-time iron man triathlete she's an author all these things and a believer and she's uh she puts it as far as those five domains in sort of a you know because she's a pilot she puts it in a gauge thing right because uh, yep. you know pilots have checklists they've got gauges right <laughs> and so to do that cross check um you've got the output of that gauge so the output in your physical or in your spiritual um you know domain but also there's a fuel gauge for each one of those two so how well are you refilling in those domains and if one of those domains is down like for her her testimony is very wrapped up in during those Ironman triathlons, her physical, um, you know, it, she often says like, it's the physical obviously has to be there, but that's not what gets me through those. Like I go into a mm. point, like she feels called to do those, uh, you know, a specific race. And she, once she gets into the middle of it, she is using her spiritual domain as much as she mm. is her physical domain to be able to withstand it. Right. And so, um, I think I get I get hit a lot when I talk to like the senior leader course or any of these things like, hey, if I took religion out of spiritual, what's left? Right. And Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what really a lot of people who aren't necessarily believers or religious, um, they want to forsake all of spiritual. And I think uh, what we explain it as is there's a vertical spirituality and a horizontal spirituality. Right. There's a vertical spirituality between you and a higher power, a creator, whatever you, uh, you know, sort of feel that way for you and I, Ryan, that's, you know, that's creator God, that's Jesus, our savior, all those things. Um, but you know, in the military, right, we, we're not, you know, confined to one belief system. So, Hey, any sort of higher power, uh, that's your vertical spirituality, but your horizontal spirituality, that sense of belonging, that social connectedness, um, is incredibly important, right? When we see things like suicide, it's more often uh, a removal of sense of purpose, sense of belonging, and identity 
than it is, you know, some specific PTSD uh, flashback, right? Mm. It's usually from some sort of removal of that support system, either through, um, you know, it can be uh, a terrible relationship or the, the divorce is happening or they're getting removed off a team. There's usually other factors in there, and a lot of it is an, is an attack in the spiritual realm. And so, um, you know, really what we've been trying to do for the last couple of years since I've been in the seat is, uh, <laughs> is try to, what I call, put some meat on the bone for spiritual, right? Instead of mm. it just being some amorphous thing that we just add on to the end of POTIF, like, oh, yeah, and also spiritual. <laughs> like, yeah. No, like ethics, morals, your belief system, your, uh, you know, we talk all about these ethical leadership and all those things. Like our baseline belief system comes from that spiritual uh, belief, from that connectedness and that sense of right and wrong. And yeah. uh, in that esprit de corps is the spirit of the core, right? It's, it's a spiritual connectedness in between a unit. And we've all been in units that had it. We've all been in units where we all felt uh, connected and we've been in uh, units that we didn't, right? And so um, there's an undefinable, you know, faith is uh, belief and, and something undefinable. So it's hard to write in a doctrine exactly, you know, it's hard to quantify with stats. Right. Uh, the impact that the spiritual domain can have. Um, but that's why we have people um, that are willing to share their stories and, and what, you know, a, as a leader, right, a chaplain provides you all kinds of different things, right? It provides you a very good sensor into your unit. Um, and for soldiers and sailors and airmen and Marines, it provides completely anonymous ability to go and, um, and, and, get a checkup with somebody, right? And so what we're trying to figure out is how do we remain or, or maintain that anonymity, but also um, incorporate that into this overarching sort of data system sure. that we're trying to use, right? And so I don't want to get too in staff, uh, you know, staff junk for your listeners, but the bottom line is we believe that all of those domains are interlocking. We believe that they can all buoy each other but we yeah. also believe that if you're cratered in any of those, they start to affect the other ones as well. So, Yeah, no, I, I definitely get that. And I definitely appreciate the work you're doing on your end to, you know, encourage that and push that. Um, but I think that's also a call to, you know, the, the believers in the military because it's like, you know, yeah. the chaplains can only go so far. hundred uh, percent. They can, they can only say so much and kind of these restrictions that you were briefly mentioning, just like, you know, it's like, they, they can't say everything. Um, 100%. And so just like you, yeah. you have so much more freedom in a unit as a believer to just kind of talk about that in your off time. Yeah. If you and will. I think and to live, you know, live an example of that so that when someone is ready to have that conversation, you are top of mind for them uh, to approach. Right. Sure. And those yeah. were I, I was prouder of that when I had those relationships where somebody knew that they could come to me and have those conversations than I was about them coming and asking for advice on how to shoot a pistol. Right. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like those are cool. Right. Like, Oh, okay. Hey, I know you're a Sephardic guy and Hey, can you, can you help tune up this pistol? Hey man, I'm, I'm having issues. Like I need somebody to talk to you and I know that you're a believer. I know that you have a strong marriage. Like, can you talk to me? Like that's, that's awesome. way better. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's great. So what would be your encouragement to those believers, you know, who are maybe struggling to be bold, who, uh, for whatever reason, you know, just who, who aren't, yeah. aren't really speaking out and they're just kind of like going through the motions? 
Yeah, I mean, a, a first encouragement would be that we've all been there, right? I yeah. certainly have. That's my first encouragement is like, don't believe that now because I'm sitting here talking about it in the you know <laughs> in the rearview mirror, like, oh yeah, like I I tried to start this uh, with being very clear about my biggest regret is not being more uh, more open and more um, intentional about trying to to lead some of my best friends who I think the world of and respect. Uh, incredibly, who are incredible Green Berets, but without Christ are not uh, are not on the path to heaven, right? right. And so, um, I, I would say twofold. One, sometimes the bro- the you know one of the bravest things you can do is live the truth. Uh, it doesn't even necessarily mean you know speaking out about it sure, at all yeah. times. Sometimes just living and and not being. Um, not being swayed and not being pulled into some of these other either situations or uh, or even conversations at times, um, you know, living living the truth uh, is certainly something that um, in certain situations will stick out like a sore thumb in a good way, right? And so I think my encouragement is um, to be ready to have those conversations when you see the opportunity, when you feel God tugging on you. Um, you know, I've I've shared. Uh, the gospel with, like I said, I've shared the gospel with Green Berets over beers, right? Um, right. And being ready to do that uh, is, is one thing, and making sure that um, you know that you you also realize that it's God that's doing the work, and it's not you, right? And so, if He chooses, and if you're obedient, then maybe you get to be one percent of His work, right? But it's great, man. He doesn't yeah. need you, right? <laughs> he, he can make <laughs> yeah. it happen without you. But the benefit is to you of having the blessing of being used, right? Um, yep. Yeah. I was I was yeah. talking to another guy, and he, he used this example. He was like, "It's like we're putting together a, a treehouse, or God mm-hmm. is, and and we're like the little kids who want to help their dad, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is like right. completely worthless. <laughs> we're we're in fact slowing the process sure. down, and yet he's helping. He's letting yeah, us help. Exactly. So yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, we, like you said, we, we all have been there in the failures. Like we, this podcast was, was born out of me not being bold in my faith and, you know, kind of the regret of that. Sure, um, yeah. and so like definitely, definitely love to preach through our failures since that points to Jesus, um, yeah, 100%. and all things. So, yeah, well, that's uh, why that's, that's when we realize our need right it's, it's like if we uh you know all of us are human all of us are fallible so when, when everything's going right and we start to believe our own hype yeah <laughs> sometimes uh we need the uh you know we need the humbling touch of realizing like oh actually you know what uh i need to i needed to look back at why i'm uh, suddenly things are going wrong like oh wait well, God, God's faithful yeah. to, to bring us that humble pie yeah, when sure. we need it. So Yeah, absolutely. No, that's 100%. great, man. Well, dude, just to close it out, I really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate uh, just all the encouragement you've shared and just, uh, like I said, what you're doing uh, for SOCOM and uh, just what you're doing in general, being bold as a believer. It's awesome, man. No, I appreciate it, Ryan. I, uh, I, and I appreciate, uh, I follow you on social media as well. I, I appreciate seeing the stuff you share from this show, uh, which is an encouragement to me. And I'm in the process now, as I look to retire next year of potentially, you know, thinking about how do I transition into a show that I can carry on. And, and, uh, I want to, uh, swim in your wake in that way as well. So thank you for the encouragement as well. Awesome. Al. I appreciate that. It's encouraging. So stay safe, man. 
Uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch via social media. And again, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks, Ryan. God bless.